The Injured Senior Podcast is here to help. Like it or not, the senior and elderly population is vulnerable to negligence committed by medical professionals, nursing homes, assisted living facilities, pharmaceutical and medical device companies, insurance companies, and everyday individuals and businesses. Your host, Steve Heisler, creator of the National Injured Senior Law Center, has been advocating for seniors' rights for over 30 years and is bringing you answers to your questions. This is the Injured Senior Podcast. Hello to all in our injured senior community. This is Steve Heisler, founder and CEO of the National Injured Senior Law Center, and you are tuned in to another edition of the Injured Senior Podcast. Uh, For those of you who are not aware of our podcast and listening for the first time, the Injured Senior Podcast is a show dedicated to discussing medical and legal issues of vital importance to the injured senior and elderly population and their families, loved ones, and caregivers. We are sponsored by the National Injured Senior Law Center, the advocates for seniors and elders who are injured by the negligence of others. Injuries to seniors and the elderly can rip their lives apart, and medical costs can rob them of their life savings. If you believe you've been harmed by someone's negligence, go to www.InjuredSeniorHotline.com or call 877-228-4878 for some advice. So, my friends, we have discussed early onset Alzheimer's in uh, some past episodes on this podcast. Early onset Alzheimer's is an uncommon form of dementia that strikes people younger than age 65. Now, I personally have a friend I wrestled with in high school who has early onset Alzheimer's, and it started in his mid-50s. Of all the people who have Alzheimer's disease, uh, statistics show, and this is according to the Alzheimer's Association, that 5% will develop symptoms before age 65. So... The Alzheimer's Association estimates that about 6 million people in this country suffer uh, from some form of dementia or Alzheimer's. Uh, So that would mean if 5% are early onset Alzheimer's, that means that at least 300,000 people uh, in this country, as we speak, have early onset Alzheimer's. Today, we have on the show Pat Moffitt to talk about his own story of caring for his wife, who was diagnosed with early onset Alzheimer's in 1998. She struggled with the disease until her death in 2010. After Carmen's passing, he continued to work with the Alzheimer's Association and Carmen's doctor, Giselle Wolf Klein, to raise awareness and providing support for the caregivers and loved ones of people who have early onset Alzheimer's. He also wrote a book about his experience as the husband and caregiver of a person with early onset Alzheimer's named The Ice Cream in the Cupboard and created the movie with the same name. We are happy to have you with us today, Pat. How you doing? Okay, good, Steve. Good to be here. You know, I was looking at a photo of you on uh, the internet. Has anyone ever told you that you bear a striking resemblance to Stacey Keach? (laughs) 
<laughs> Absolutely. No, no one's ever mentioned that one. I've had a couple of I others, mean, but not that especially one. Especially in that, I guess, that wedding photo with you and Carmen. I was like, that looks just like Stacy Keach. <laughs> yes, yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, no, well, no, but uh, on that one. Okay. Well, that's a first. So if anyone ever says that again, say, yeah, that guy Heisler on that podcast brought that yeah. up to me. So, so I know it's been uh, over 10 years since uh, your wife, Carmen, uh, passed away from early yeah. onset. Uh, please accept my condolences. Uh, what were the first signs of her condition that you became aware of? Well, the the first sign was it was an unusual one. I mean, of course, I've I've learned a lot about Alzheimer's over the years now, but uh, a lot of people just sort of connect Alzheimer's with forgetfulness. Well, that, that's funny. That person should have remembered this and remembered that, but that's not the, quite the case with me at all. Um, I was 49 years old. My wife was 53, and uh, we just seemed to be bickering constantly. Everything that I did, she was on on my case, and. and Every, you know, every married couple is going to bicker a little bit, but uh, this was out of control. So I said, you know, I, uh, the way she was acting with this um, kind of violent behavior, uh, agitation. So I said she was Puerto Rican. So I said, oh, let's go to Puerto Rico for a, a nice romantic weekend. Maybe we're both working too hard. Okay. And she was okay with that. We got down mm -hmm. there and we went out to dinner in a place called the Chart House in Puerto Rico. Beautiful restaurant. I had a kind of an outside veranda and we were having steak and lobster. And I uh, was looking over the veranda and at the cars down below on the one story down and 57 Chevy, 58 Ford. I said, wow, the cars down here, they last forever because of the climate. And I, as I was staring down at the cars, when I went to look back at Carmen, she picked up the entire plate of steak and lobster and threw it in my face. I was You're ejected out of, out of the seat. I hit the, my head on the table behind me and she ran out of the restaurant. So I got up now, and I started to run after her. She was, you know, had, she was in great shape, and uh, I started to run after her. And then the police started to chase me. Like, who's this tall Irish guy chasing a small Puerto Rican woman down, you know, Spanish woman down Puerto Rico's main log? And uh, so I caught up to her. The police caught up to me. We we kind of straightened everything out. I was in shock. I had no idea what had happened. And she seemed okay. And we got back to the hotel, and she laid down and, and took a nap. And I went out on a terrace, and I had three of the fastest beers I've ever drank in my life. I was shaking <laughs> from head to foot. I had no idea what had just happened. She walked out about 30 minutes later. She got up and came out to the terrace. And she said, honey, I am starved. When are we going to eat? And I said, eat? I said, I tried that, and you threw your food at me. Look at me. She says, yeah, what happened to your shirt? It looks terrible. I said, you threw your plate at me. She said, you know, you joke around too much. That's not right. I would never do that to you. How could that possibly be? And I was just, didn't even know what to say. But we got on the plane the next morning, and I was back in New York. I had no idea what I was dealing with. Had you seen any, up until that incident in Puerto Rico, uh, you said that she had been, you'd been bickering, but it, it just seemed like normal bickering between husband and wives? Right. And um, so when we, when we got back, things seemed a little bit calm, and then there was these, little burst of the anger again. And I said, I got to have to get this woman to a doctor and she refused to go. And, um, so I, I, one day we went food shopping, came back. She put the food away. I went to the dry cleaners. I brought the dry cleaners back and I'm looking at our cabinet in the cupboard and I see a white liquid coming out the bottom. And as I go through 
the canned goods and everything, try to see where this liquid is coming from. Sure enough, I come across a deflated box of Briar's vanilla ice cream. And I said, hon, you know, you, you put the food away a little bit lightning speed here today. I said, you put the ice cream in the cupboard. She said, I didn't do that. Why do you think, why would I put ice cream in the cupboard? And so there was, a, now they were getting all the forgetfulness starts to come out. And I said, oh boy, this is really a mess. So she was diagnosed the next day because the school, she had the kids going. She worked it as a, uh, a secretary in the Lakeville school, a local elementary school. And she had the kids going on the wrong buses. She had the budget completely messed up. She didn't know how to, forgot how to work the budget. Um, and so they sent her to a hospital to be, uh, to, to get examined. And that's when they came up with Alzheimer's. And then she came home and told me that night. So the pivotal point of this was putting the ice cream in the cupboard. That's why I named the film and the book that. Yeah. Up until that point, did you have like any like thought or any, anything come across your mind that, oh, this looks like Alzheimer's or looks like some form of dementia? No, I, I had no idea. Uh, and especially the violent behavior is what, you know, really threw me off. I didn't see a lot of forgetfulness. Um, but the violence, just that, that just camouflaged everything for me. I mean, I, I was one of the people now that, that we probably have listeners all around that still say, Alzheimer's, I think you get that when you're like 80 or 90, you know. And there's a lot of believers in this country that have no idea that you get this at a younger age. We just lost our youngest case on Long Island. He got it at 32 and died at 43. Yeah, I was just talking about my uh, my friend. I have a friend that I wrestled with in high school. Yeah, he started exhibiting really peculiar behavior back in his you know early to, to mid 50s, uh, and eventually got diagnosed. And yeah. um, he has to go. He you know he's not married. He doesn't have any children. Uh, so he's going to have to go live with his brother in Texas because he he can't he can't be left alone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's true. So, that's when you have to make that decision, and uh, where they cannot be left alone, and uh, sometimes it's made too late. I uh, uh, think we referred to the case in Allentown, Pennsylvania, on February third. Uh, this was a case where a woman had early onset Alzheimer's, uh, was lived alone. And, of course, they got 20 inches of snow on February 3rd. She got out of her house. She drifted off and got about eight blocks from the house, com completely got disoriented, had no idea where she was or where she lived or anything about that. And somehow or another got into an alleyway or a snowbank as the snow came down. No one paid attention to her, probably thought maybe she was homeless or whatever. And uh, she died of hypothermia after eight hours laying in the snow. And that oh. woman did not have to die. No. They probably thought, well, you know, Patricia's doing okay. You know, let, let's leave her be. She's all right. We'll just keep an eye on her. And, and what the heck? It's snowing anyway. She probably, she's not going to go and get out. Well, that's the time that they do. So they probably were waiting to make that caregiver decision. But then that happens. So that ends everything. Sad case. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's interesting you bring that up. Uh, my friend, uh, he actually... Uh, started getting in well thought he was fine we started you know was r driving his car and struck a couple of parked cars and left the scene so he actually got uh, got arrested and i had to help him out in court and obviously you know uh, the, the court system was very uh, friendly to him uh once you know they learned that he had uh, early onset alzheimer's you are listening to the injured senior podcast this is steve heisler 
and I am speaking with Pat Moffitt, uh, Alzheimer's advocate. Pat, what were some of the greatest challenges you faced as the caregiver for Carmen? Well, the, the, the greatest challenge is really trying to, when uh, was I was home, and uh, of course she was okay for a little while, she could stay by herself, and she was on a medication, um, and uh, the, that their only medications are only to slow down uh, the uh, the pro- progress of uh, of Alzheimer's, uh, and a lot of times in the early onset case, that they they that medicine doesn't really work all that well. But in any case, uh, was keeping up with her. You're constantly running back and forth. Where did she go? What is she doing? That sort of thing, and and that that was the toughest thing. And Dr. Wolfkind, that you mentioned a little bit earlier, um, told me from the very first day. And that made so much sense, and I understood no time at all that the caregiver has to take care of themselves, or this disease will claim two victims, the caregiver and the patient. And that's exactly what I was running myself into the ground. Uh, She was throwing things. She was very violent, and uh, I put her in a daycare center because, you know, I said, okay, I need coverage now. And I said, let me, I still wanted to keep my job. I always tell the caregiver, keep your job. And um, put her in a daycare center that was for Alzheimer's patients. But she was only, I think, 55 by that time. And most everybody in there was 80, 90 years old uh, with uh, dementia. And uh, she punched one of the old men out. And they called me up in my office and they said, you know, you better come down here. And I came down, and they said, we had this issue. Uh, she, she bruised up this elderly man fairly bad. But, I mean, it was okay. You could just see what bad. And the, the uh, facility told me that we want to let you know, Mr. Moffitt, that, that any liability for patient-to-patient violence is on this facility and on the patient's family that created the violent act. So I was really responsible along with them uh, for this, the condition of this man, if his family wanted to take any action. Fortunately, they understood Alzheimer's and they understood Carmen's case and they didn't take any action. But, you know, I didn't even realize that I would, I would be in a legal jam like this along with the facility. So at that point in time, she had to be taken out of there. They said, we can't have her here anymore. She's too violent. So she went into a, uh, a hospital called Hillside Hospital on Long Island and what they do is they evaluate you for the use of uh, what they can use on you for antipsychotic drugs. But to do this, they have to monitor you 24-7 for three weeks. And when they, at the end, when they came back with it, she was still violent when she was there, even on these powerful drugs. And uh, they found the mixture, the cocktail to put together. But then the doctors came to me and they said, Mr. Malvin, this these drugs cannot be administered at home. They have to be done in a 24-7 facility. Your wife's case is so bad. And uh, they said, so we're highly recommended. We can't tell you what to do. We can't order you. But we got three doctors here. These are very well-known psychiatrists and neurosurgeons and so on. And said, you cannot take her home. Pat, did she have a history of or, or her family have a history of dementia? Well, uh, it's funny you should bring that up, Steve. We, it, no, to answer your question, because... No one understood what it was. Now, Carmen, her two sisters, and her brother, okay, Carmen was the first one diagnosed. Her two sisters and her brother also got it in their 50s, and they died in their 60s. 
So wow. as I was writing the book, Ice Cream in the Cupboard, I started to learn about genetics. And I said, you couldn't possibly have this many cases with not having a genetic connection. So I got a hold of, you know, and of course the, the father, the mother died of cancer and was very lucid when she died. I remember Carmen telling me that. But I had no information on the father. And I got a hold of one of the aunts of the family, elderly lady, about 85, and, and, and Carmen's father was named Emilio. And I said, you know, can you tell me anything about Emilio? And I said, I know. Well, he, yeah, he drank, like, he died of cirrhosis of the liver, and he, did, he drank quite a bit, and that was the answer. That was on his death certificate. So I said, can you tell me anything about him, his, any actions or thing like that? She said, there was one odd thing. She said, every, he worked as a cutter in the Garmin Center in Manhattan. And she said, he was going out to lunch and couldn't find his job. Wow. Then he left his job one night and couldn't find out where he lived. So there, there was the connection. Yeah, there was now, the genetic connection that I made. Yeah, yeah, look, looks that way. No one knew what Alzheimer's was really took it really seriously back then. Right. Yeah. Well, you know, and uh, Alzheimer's is obviously uh, as we've uh, as time has has moved on, it's becoming more and more of a problem nowadays. So, but yeah. that's a whole other show. I want to get back to the caregiver um, aspect of of what you know of this whole thing. Can you share some other challenges that caregivers for Alzheimer patients, uh, especially people with uh, early onset, what type of uh, challenges that the caregivers experience? Well, you, you really have to try to, I mean, it, it's, it's such a difficult task, uh, especially in the early onset, bad at any level, of course, but uh, on the early onset, uh, uh, don't argue with the patient. To go along with everything they said because it's going to disappear in about 10 seconds. You know, they, they want to go out. My wife wanted to go out at 1 o'clock in the morning. We got into a fight and she punched me in the face. Okay, so next time she wanted to go out and I said, listen, you can't go. And I grabbed her arm. And when she started to swing this time, I just ducked and wrapped my hands around my head and said, please don't hit me. And she stopped immediately. So you kind of learn these things as you go along because they're going to disappear in a few seconds. The other thing is if you have a caregiver that you hire, they have to be in good physical condition because the patient definitely is. The only thing is their mind. Generally, early onset patients are in fairly good shape, and when they start to go and run away from you, they're gone. Good information. You know, one wouldn't yeah. think that you'd have to bring in somebody who's fit. Right. Uh, you know, I, because, I, yeah. I met a very a nice woman who was recommended by a group in New York called Home Instead that, that does this kind of work, and she was very nice. She had taken care of other Alzheimer's patients before, but I never checked to see if they were early onset and, and find out later on it wasn't. They were all quite old. In any case, she was, uh, uh, I would say, well overweight and not in good physical condition at all. But, you know, she brought games. She seemed to know what she was doing, and it was fine. Well, sure enough, Carmen broke out of the house, and this woman, she was a mile, a mile away before the woman could get out the front door. And I happened right. to be coming home from work early that day, and as I was coming down, I see my wife with a, a construction helmet on, and there's guys digging a hole in the ground. And she's talking to them like she wants to work with them. You know, put me to work. I, I went, oh, my God, it's my wife. Yeah. I pulled the car over, and I said, uh, I'm sorry, gentlemen. I said, my, my, my wife has Alzheimer's disease, and, and she doesn't understand. They said, oh, my God, we're so glad you're here. We didn't know what to do. We we're going to call the police. 
she's such a nice lady and she's dressed so nice. You know, so we gave her a helmet just to see till we could figure out what to do. So getting that caregiver that's in good physical shape that can, you know, keep up with the patient is so important when you do that, when you hire somebody. That That is, yeah, that is definitely uh, uh, advice that should, should definitely be uh, very helpful because, yeah, I mean, I it, just being being around my my friend with the early onset, he's not violent, at least not when I've been around him, but he just basically marches to the beat of his own drum, and he actually has his own geriatric care manager that was working with him. Uh, so yeah, that's uh, that is definitely good good stuff that you're uh, that you're giving us. I have caregiver groups that I support online. I try to every month or, or before COVID. I try to take all these uh, early onset caregivers, about 10 of them in Nassau County, and I try to take them out for dinner so they relax a little bit. I arrange for their their loved ones to be watched by professional people, and I pay for it. And so they can get out, have a little glass of wine, talk to other caregivers. And now with the uh, you know uh, social uh, media being what it is and that, uh, they kind of create their own Facebook pages together, and so they're, 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 they're all, their own caregivers are exchanging good information with each other. And you know, these are all early onset, and I can see the bruises. One in can- woman came in with a shoulder cast. Yeah. I said, what happened? She said, um, Larry threw the kitchen table at me. <laughs> so, and these wow. were not unusual. That's probably, that's probably the telltale sign to get somebody into uh, a nursing home or some type of uh, uh, facility. Is that, is that accurate? Right. But you know what? I, I have to tell you, Steve, that when it's spousal, the spouse always says, I can do this. This is my wife. This is my husband. I can handle this. I don't need to bring in special people. And a lot of them don't even want to do the medications. So, yes, you're right about the timing. But I've had one of the fellows that worked with me in, in my corporation before I retired. Uh, his, his wife, his brother's wife got it. And um, uh, the, the guy worked for FedEx. He was a driver. And the first thing he did was quit. And the case got worse. And they kept, the brother kept coming to me. And I said, listen, he has to get somebody. Yeah, of course, he's, he's going to get run down. I said, his immune system will start to fail. And that's why the caregiver has to be so worried about their own well-being. And I said, because when he gets run like this, when he gets run down, the first thing is a heart attack. That you know, the whole you're just overloaded. You're in overload, and sure enough, the following week, the brother had the heart attack hmm. he, because he refused to hire anybody. Fortunately, he recovered from it and hired a full-time person, 24 hours a day. Yeah, but the spouse really so, feels, and I, I did too. I said, I could take care of my wife. You know, that's that's ridiculous. I, I can do this. I know, I know. I have to watch out. I, I was so far off the money. This is Steve Heisler. You're listening to the Injured Senior Podcast, and I have been speaking with Pat Moffitt, author of the book and movie, The Ice Cream in the Cupboard. So, Pat, what was your general experience uh, with nursing, the nursing home that you had to put Carmen in? You know, we have a lot of listeners are in long-term care facilities who have families in long-term care facilities. And I'm just wondering uh, if... The, the level of care uh, that was you know that is a, a, accorded to early onset Alzheimer patients uh, is of high quality. Well, that's the the of course the first thing I had to do when those doctors that I referred to before 
uh, saying that, you know, she really needs this uh, 24-7 care. She, we recommend she don't go home, da-da-da-da. And I was crushed with that, but I had to get moving with my family, and we looked at a couple of different facilities, and there was one that wasn't too far away from my house. So I wanted to keep something convenient so I could go back and forth. And uh, it had its own dementia section, which I thought was important. So they weren't, except for maybe just having meals, they weren't constantly mixing with the entire population for the rest of the day. And uh, I liked the way that people spoke. I I sat down with them. I spoke with nurses, and they were just tremendous, tremendous people that I really enjoyed. Uh, Some things that um, uh, people should remember, though, um, when uh, don't go, if you're going to visit your loved one, don't go the same day, same time, all the time. Because, uh, I mean, they're very busy. You know, these people will, will urinate on themselves and so on. That's, they have to be changed. And sometimes when, you know, n- not this particular facility, but I've heard of others that, you know, they say, well, you know, Pat Moffat, he, he doesn't come up here till 2 o'clock. So even though she's wet at noon, let's not change it to about one thirty before he gets here. So they anticipate you coming and push that off. Meanwhile, she's, you know, she's, she's dirty. And, you know, with urine on her and maybe feces, who knows? So that, that's one thing I always uh, try to bring out. Just don't try to keep the same patterns in the same times all the time. Did she, I mean, when did she get any other type of uh, ailments or any other type of uh, medical conditions when she was there? No, not at all, nothing. Um, but on the, uh, the very last day, they called the uh, nursing home, called me at the office about 9.30 in the morning. And they said, uh, Carmen's, all of Carmen's organs are now starting to fail. And this is because of the Alzheimer's. And they said, we suggest you pull your family together and try to get down here because we don't think she's going to last this night. So I got wow. the family together. My daughter actually is, is a doctor in uh, Baltimore. And so she drove oh, wow. all the way up, from, up to New York when she got this word. And um, she came up, and, and that, that's a hell of a trek to make from Baltimore to New York in rush hours. And she made it up in about four hours and change. It was an amazing time. But uh, she got there, and we had the whole family, and about 9, nine o'clock that night, Carmen passed away, and we were all sitting there. Oh. Yeah, it was re- it's really good that at least the whole family was there to be able to say goodbye to her. Exactly, exactly. That, and that's, that's how much they can tell. Again, you know, a, a good facility following up on things. They didn't call right. me up and say, hey, you know, your wife died four hours ago. Nobody called you. You know, they were what? able to anticipate this. They had the doctors. They knew the case. They studied these cases very well. And she was a very, very bad case. So uh, we were able to get that time thanks to them. That's awesome. You know, that's what everyone should strive for is if you're going to put your loved one in a facility, you want to do your research and make sure you're going to get them in a facility that is, uh, is top notch. So our time is kind of winding down, Pat. Let me ask you this, though. How many caregivers in Europe, you know, I guess that you know of, are there in the United States that are related to Alzheimer's or other dementias? Well, there there is usually um, about four caregivers per case. So you could have, I mean, there are are five million, I think, uh, Alzheimer's cases. So, you know, you really have almost 20 million caregivers that are in and out of this uh, situation, uh, including professional companies and family. So it, it's a lot of people out there, and that's why I, I call myself the, the, the caregiver that takes care of the caregivers. 
You know, I, I'm the <laughs> perpetual caregiver. I'll always be that. And by talking to people like you and getting a little word out, maybe I'll help someone by doing that. You know, you see the movie, you learn something from it. It's a movie that will teach you or read the book. There are things that you can learn out of it. And that's, that's the biggest part for me is the awareness. Great. Yeah, I think that, I think that you definitely gave some very valuable information today. Um, can you tell us just quickly, can you just give us a little uh, information about the book and the movie? Uh, how, how I wrote the book in uh, 2009, and mm-hmm. uh, and these are you know putting in these stories. It and uh, the book was, of course, it has its violent parts to it, uh, which uh, stuns the readers. And I wanted to get that onto the screen, uh, but I didn't want to make a whole movie of violence. So I, you know, that's what I did. And, and I actually ran into someone on an airplane that was an author, and we exchanged books. And they happened to be a producer in Hollywood. And I got wow. a call and said, like, this, you got to make a movie out of this thing. Uh, this is like an, so, an amazing story. And that's how we really got going. So now we're, you know, we're on uh, to uh, Amazon Prime, uh, free uh, for Amazon Prime customers on uh, YouTube, uh, Google Play, uh, Apple TV, iTunes. So it's, uh, it's quite a on the on all the uh, uh, different, uh, what do you call it, channels. That's great. Do you recommend that caregivers... Uh, see the movie? I do recommend it, um, but not alone. It, it, you know, it might be something that might, it, it, it kind of tears you up a little bit. When you have a chance to see it, you'll understand what I mean. That, sure. uh, you know, it, it, it will take you down a couple of notches. You'll have to have a box of Kleenex with you. And uh, so I kind of recommend, yeah, see it because you're going to learn from it, but it'd be good to see it with somebody else. Got it. Let me ask you this, Pat. If anybody wants to get in touch with you, let's say we've, Got a caregiver uh, or someone uh, whose family member or spouse is suffering from early onset Alzheimer's. How can they get in touch with you if they wanted to ask you some questions or get some advice from you? Uh, well, the, I think the, the best one would be uh, Garrison, G-A-R-R-I-S-O-N, books, 2014 at gmail.com. Okay, and, and what's your website address? Uh, PatMoffitt.com. And you can leave a message there that, as well. Great. Uh, are you on any social media at all? Uh, at the moment, we're working on a you know a ton of different things, and um, we have our, our of course we have the website pages and that, and we have a YouTube. We're on YouTube, and uh, and that's really uh, about it right now. Okay. Well, that's that. I'm, if anyone needs to get in touch with you, they have uh, ample ways to find you. Uh, Pat. Thanks so much for coming on. I know that uh, you're, you're real busy and you're involved in a lot of different uh, activities on behalf of Alzheimer's Association and uh, caregiving. So I really thank you from the bottom of my heart for sharing your experience. Uh, and uh, obviously you have vast, uh, just so much knowledge. We couldn't all get into this show, but hopefully we can get you back on and, and uh, talk uh, some more about caregiving for uh, early onset Alzheimer patients. I'm looking forward to having you back soon. Okay. Uh, injured senior and aging population community, thanks for listening to today's episode. I want to again thank Pat Moffitt for appearing on the show today. If you love the Injured Senior Podcast, We'd love for you to subscribe, rate, and give us a review on iTunes. If you want to share your story, uh, maybe about your own experience uh, with a loved one with early onset Alzheimer's, feel free to email me at steve at injuredseniorhotline.com. 
or go to our website, www.injuredseniorpodcast.com. And right on the homepage, you can leave a message. And uh, I respond to all messages and emails. And uh, you can also uh, just get so much good information off of the website, InjuredSeniorPodcast.com. So until next time, thanks so much for, for being here today and listening to this episode. I'm looking forward to next week's show. Stay safe, and I will talk to you soon. Take care, everybody. Thanks for listening to the Injured Senior Podcast. If you enjoyed the podcast, please rate, subscribe, review, and share on Apple, Google, or wherever you get your podcasts. Connect with us at InjuredSeniorPodcast.com and sign up for our newsletter. To find out more or to get help at any time, visit InjuredSeniorPodcast.com or call 855-622-6530. That's 855-622-6530.